Welcome to the New Vision Church podcast. New Vision Church is a diverse, Bible-teaching, Jesus-centered church in San Diego, California, and exists to transform people and their communities by replicating followers of the biblical Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's this week's sermon. Online uh, with us as we're going to jump into the message in a moment, but I just got some announcements to make for the body and to the family. Hey guys, we're going to be opening up our doors for doors for Sunday morning service. Uh, starting November 8th here at the uh, City Heights campus here. We're going to be opening up, so we want to invite you to come out regular time, regular bat channel, regular bat time um, at uh, 10 o'clock here. So we want to invite you to come. We're also going to be opening up a soft launch uh, on November 6th for the Encanto site on a Friday night. I go there. We are still going to still have our evening services on Sunday night at our Lemon Grove site, so that's still available for outdoor services. So I just want to let you know what's going on. But we're also going to be doing a, a quick little outreach for uh, the Harvest Festival. And really what that is, guys, we're going to do a drive-by uh, harvest festival, just really when families come in through their cars to give them uh, some uh, candy for Halloween. Nothing, nothing more than that, just keeping it real simple. So if you're interested in wanting to trunk or treat, drive by, set up your cars and do that. Uh, reach out to Pastor Sean. He'll be, he's online probably right now watching and listening uh, that you can just tag him, say, I'm interested to decorate my car. We're going to keep it safe, masked up, gloved up. Everything's going to be ready, but we just want to be a blessing to the community as we just pass out prepackaged candy for uh, uh, drive-bys that come by for harvest on Halloween night. So we're asking that you guys would uh, jump on board with that. Also, guys, uh, the week of November 1st through the 6th, prior to opening up, we're going to do a time of prayer and fasting. So we want you to join us uh, for that. So put that on your calendar as every night we're going to be able to get together online and pray together. And then on a Wednesday night, the 4th, we're going to actually have a open up the doors for a night of worship and prayer. You'll hear more as we're going on about that. But I just want to let you know, excited about opening up the doors here. So we'll actually have all three campuses running here, here at City Heights and Cancel Lemon Grove. And uh, you can jump in at any of those places, wherever meets your schedule to be ministered to as we're continuing on. So, hey, we're jumping into 2 Peter chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles at home, 2 Peter chapter 3, looking at verses 14 to 16 uh, this morning. My sermon title is Be Diligent Until His Coming. Be Diligent Until His Coming. If you knew somebody was going to break into your home today, would you be diligent to be watchful? I think that's the problem we're seeing now when we've been on shelter in place with a lot of these UPS and Amazon delivery. What you're finding is people are delivering packages to people's homes, and then what they're discovering is people are going onto their porches and snaking and taking all their uh, delivery packages and things being delivered. So many of the homes now, many of the home buyers are setting up these surveillance cameras, and they're watching for any suspicious activity. That's really what's going on here in 2 Peter chapter 3. Peter is challenging us today to be watchful because there are people out there like thieves that just want to rob us of God's truth and God's ways. And so he's writing to remind us of very things. We cannot be caught asleep at the wheel. You've heard that phrase before, right? Can't be caught asleep at the wheel. Well, what does that mean? It means that we're to be paying attention to what is important and that we're to be alert and watchful. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 24, 42 to 44. It says, watch therefore, for you do not know the hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if a master of the house has known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready. He's challenging you, be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. 
And so we're going to be looking at that, being diligent in light of his return. As we're beginning to close this book, we have a message day, a message next week, and we'll be done with Second Peter. But I want us to be mindful that we've got to be diligent in light of Christ's coming, to be patient in his return, realize that some may or may not understand this mystery of his return, but we must understand this. Some might even use it, the things they're learning, for their own selfish gain, as Peter's going to even address some of that. But we want to be able to be challenged in our own walk in light of what uh, our times and things that are going on. Last week, we talked about gospel-centered living. We're going to continue a little bit of that thought a little bit this morning as we talk about being diligent. And so let's look at the passage, 2 Peter 3, starting in verse 14. It says, Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot and blameless. I consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. As long as our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destructions, as they do also the rest of Scripture. Let's pray. Father heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. We thank you we can jump into your word. Lord, I pray this morning for those that are online that are joining us, Lord, that the, the reading and the teaching of your word would be empowering. We pray that, the, that the, as we break down the word and we understand it, Lord, you speak to us and bring conviction and transformation. That, Father, you'll equip us to live in, in these days and these times as we're just being taught through your word. And so I thank you for Second Peter and all that it's teaching us. Is the, this last chapter, we've been looking at the third chapter of his coming, being ready, being watchful, being diligent, how we live in these times, because we lived in some pretty rough times right now. But God, you're calling your people to rise up in the midst of this time and to be the salt and to lie, to be found without spot and to be blameless in this time, that we would be a bear a good testimony to those around us, that we would be your people that bring hope, not only hope in Jesus, but hope in his return and that they do not need to be fearful in the times that we're living in. So Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the instruction of your word. We pray these things believing in, you. in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to be looking at three things uh, this morning. The first one is this. Be diligent in holiness until Christ's coming. We're looking at that in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 14. Therefore, beloved, look forward to these things. Be diligent to be found in him by p in peace without spot and blameless. Now, we know that California is known for its earthquake and it's fires. We've been doing some shaking and baking lately, if you've been watching the news and watching all that's going on. And so many people are diligent to be prepared for the earthquakes and the fires by insuring their homes and providing survival kits in case something happens. In fact, you could go online and purchase a survival kit called Angel Stealth Survival that contains two people for 144 hours. It will sustain them, it will take care of them. And in that kit, they have all these amenities in it. They have water and food and snacks and basic essentials for survival. For the believer, we have a survival kit. It's called faith, complete with the assurance of salvation and God's imputed righteousness. But we also need to be diligent in his coming and we do that in two ways, we're going to be looking at as we look about holiness this morning. See, we have to be number one. There are two things the beloved are dedicated to. One, diligent expectation. Diligent expectation. Because the word talks about being diligent in this passage. What does the word diligent mean? 
It's characterized by being, by being steady or earnest or energetic efforts. It means to pursue with persevering attentions. In fact, the word diligent is synonymous with the word dedicated or, or committed. Guys, in light of this gospel-centered living that we talked about last week, we look forward to a bright future. We talked about heaven last week, but Paul is kind of, and Peter is kind of reminding us with that thought as he continues to reflect back on verse 13 to lead us into verse 14. He uses the word looking forward, means to, to be in expectation. A strong belief that something will happen, that's what expectation means. That we're looking, that we're anticipating something's going on. You remember that for us that are a little older, they had that, that commercial, uh, Heinz ketchup commercial, and they sang that song, Anticipation, and they had the picture of the, the ketchup and it's burly coming down onto your food. And you're anticipating to get on your food. We're anticipating, expecting God's return at any time. It reminds me of a, a story about a, a lawyer. In fact, he was representing this person who was uh, accused of murdering somebody. And he knew there was evidence of, that he had committed this murder, but they couldn't find the body. And he knew that he had to bring some reasonable, reasonable doubt in order to get his client off. And, and so in the last closing statement, he said this, in one minute... The deceased is going to walk through that door. And in expectation, all the jury turned waiting for one minute to see who would come through that door. He was, they were anticipating something. But nobody, nobody came through that door. And the lawyer said, all I have to do is bring reasonable doubt. And you, when you were looking at that door, you had some reasonable doubt because you were expecting somebody to come through the door. And that jury went away and they came back with the verdict, and, and that verdict was, he's guilty, and the lawyer said, why? why, why, how did you come up with that? He goes, because we were looking with expectation, but your client never looked at the door. Look, at, we are coming with anticipation and expectation at the coming of Christ, and so we have a great expectation of the future. That is our blessed hope. So this gift of this eternal home motivates us to be diligent in consecration. So let's look at this diligent in consecration. I love Eugene Peterson. He's the author of the Message Bible. He wrote this. In our kind of culture, anything, even news about God, can be sold if it is packaged freshly. But when it loses its novelty, it goes in the garbage heap. There is a great market for religious experiences in our world where is little enthusiasm for the pa patient acquisition of virtue, little inclination to sign up for a long apprenticeship in what early generations of Christians called holiness. Consecration, holiness. We are to be holy because he is holy. In fact, when you look at this passage, he uses the word diligent, but in the New Living Translation, it translates it to make every effort. In fact, if you go all the way back to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 5, remember he says, give all diligence to make every effort to add to your faith. Remember, we studied the, 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 the seven supplements that we studied that. And he listed that. We are, what he's saying is that we are not to be complacent in these times. That we're to continue to move in these times. As a church, sometimes we, we're not here to manage the church, we're here to move the church. And he's saying the same thing. We, we can't be complacent in the times that we're living. In light of his return, we cannot be complacent as a church. 
But we have to understand there's a collaboration with God. He has given us everything we need for godliness, but we need to utilize the power and we need to exercise his power. Let me give you an example how this works. In Colossians, the first chapter, Paul shares some things with us. And he says this, that we have been given the riches of his glory, Christ in you. That's the power that God has given him by his spirit to live in us. That's the power we have. But in verse 29, it says something very interesting. In Colossians 1, 29, it says, To this end I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. Though Paul had the power of God and everything he needed for godliness, there was a labor that took place. He was laboring, he's striding, what? But as he's working, God is working through him. And they're collaborating together. Guys, this walk does have some effort. This walk does need to put in some work. This walk does need to be able to be labors and exercising our faith. We need to be involved with that. But what is he challenging? What is Peter challenging us in, in this time? He says this, the beloved live peacefully, it says here in verse 14. Let's talk about peace. Now, there's two things we have to be at peace with and be at peace with. One, we need to be at peace with God. By faith, we've been justified. And there's a, by faith, we've been acquitted of all our sin. And then there's a sanctification process. And then there's a glorification process that all comes through Christ in faith. We meet him. He accepts us. He keeps cleansing us. And ultimately, we'll be him in a new, with a new body. That's the glorification but before that whole process, the Bible says that we were enemies of God, that we are at war with him. And Romans chapter 5, 10 says, for when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. So prior to the reconciliation process, we were, we were his enemy. We were at war with him. We disagreed with him. Jesus said, you're either for me or you're against me. You're either in or you're out. But apart from Christ, we're far from Christ. We're alienated from Christ and we're at war with him. But we know that Jesus is the peacemaker. And by faith, we make peace with God. When we come to faith, we, make, we no longer are his enemy, but now his friend. We are no longer his enemy, but now we're a part of his family. And in fact, in Romans 5, 1, it says, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So what is, what is Peter? He's getting us back to the fact that we have to make peace with God. If we want peace in our life in the midst of this time and upheaval and craziness and COVID and, and, and all that's going on and people find unrest, the peace only comes first when we have peace with God. When we build that relationship with God. We'll have peace of heart and peace of mind. And we find that in Jesus. But he's building this, this really this vertical relationship first. But then he turns around and says, you have to have peace with one another. Right? We have to peace, we be with, at peace with our brothers and sisters. In fact, Jesus speaking on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, he shares this kingdom quality. He says, blessed or happy are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. A peacemaker is part of our identity of being a part of his family, and it's associated with being a part of his family. That's kingdom living. We want to be peacemakers. In fact, us being peacemakers builds a great testimony to the unbelieving world and it says they'll know that you love one another and you're followers of Jesus as you love one another. You're disciples if you love one another. See, that's the fruit that we're called to bear and that's the, the fruit of peace. But what is the significance of the peace? Because every believer will stand before Christ at the judgment seat. We only have to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 9 and 10. 
And peace comes when we have assurance of our salvation. When we have assurance of our salvation, we find peace. But it says in verse 9 and 10, it says, this, therefore we make it our aim, our purpose, our goal, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. There's the holiness. There's the peace. We're going to get into the, there's the conduct. For when we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. All appear. Now, this is specifically for the believer, for those that put our faith. And it says this, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. So the first thing, we're going to stand before God. The Bible says the judgment begins in the household of God. We're going to stand before God, and we, we, I hope that we have made peace with God and, and have made peace with one another. But he also challenged us, Peter also challenged us, not only to make peace with God with one another, that we're to be the beloved that live above reproach. He talks about this. It, it says that we are found by him without spot and blameless. Without spot and blameless. I believe these are play on words by the apostle Peter. Why? Because in the Old Testament, animals that were sacrificed needed to be without spot or blemish. We know that Christ was our sacrificial lamb and he described as a lamb in 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. It says this, knowing that you were not redeemed with the corruptible things like silver and gold. God did not persecute you with, with human and carnal things. He did not buy you or he did not purchase you with silver or gold, but for aimless conduct received by the traditions of your father, but with the precious blood of Christ. Here it is, as a lamb without blemish. And without spot. Jesus was the perfect sacrifice to cover our mistakes and our blemishes and our spots and our imperfections and our vices and our shortcomings. We are his sheep and we are called to be a living sacrifice by the renewing of our mind and by the way we change our thinking. This is not calling us to, to be perfect people. John writes, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to cleanse us of our sins and forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so he provides a means by confession when we fall short. So we're not perfect, but we have a, a process to, to stay right with God. We have been given a means by which we can be found blameless and, and without spot. What does it mean to be without spot or blameless? It's interesting. He's contrasting the false teachers and prophets in 2 Peter chapter 2 which he called them and described them as spots and blemishes, these false teachers and false prophets. But he says that we're to be blameless and without spot. Without spot means to be unsoiled. We're to have a spotless character. Think about Daniel in the Old Testament when they wanted to find some dirt on him. When they made this law and they could find some, but they couldn't because he was without spot. And then they said, uses the word blameless here. That means without rebuke, without correction. They have, you have to have a blameless reputation. What, what are you known for? What's your reputation out there? What do people say about you? Is it blameless? You know, is it, is, is it something that, that you're described as? I know a lot of times people have street names, right? And, and these street names are out there that describes who they are. I remember many years ago, I was working on the streets and doing a lot of ministry with kids and homeless kids on the street. And there was one young lady that was out there. We kept ministering to her minister, and her name, her street name was called Trouble. She had this idea placed on her. She was called Trouble, and that's what we knew, and that's the only name I knew her by, and people kept calling her Trouble because that was her street name. She began to live out the very identity of what she was called like. What's your reputation? Are we the children of God? Are we sons and daughters of the king? And we're to live like that very thing. Paul commands young Timothy how to live without spot and to be blameless. He says this, pursue righteousness, 
godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness, that you keep this commandment without spot. Blame us until our Lord Jesus Christ appearing. Look at that list he gives. Pursue righteousness. Live righteously, right? Godliness, piety, purity in our worship. I talked about that last week. Our faith, our, how do we overcome the world? Even our faith, love, it's all covered in love. Love covers a multitude of sin. Patience and long-suffering, being patient with one another. Gentleness and kind and merciful. We do this until his coming. We know that maybe this morning you're hearing this message and maybe you're feeling a, a little unrest and a, a lack of peace. Maybe you're struggling with that right now. Maybe you're feeling that because you haven't surrendered yourself to God. Or maybe there's things in your life you haven't surrendered fully to God. Listen, God has given you a conscience. It's not the little cricket on Disneyland. It's not Jiminy Cricket. It's a conscience. This conscience is something done by the Holy Spirit who brings conviction on us. He wants to bring about change. It's the, it's the work of the Holy Spirit speaking. In, and the Holy Spirit might be just be speaking with you this morning about this unrest in your heart and in your soul. What he's doing is he's calling you home. He's calling to a relationship with Christ. The Holy Spirit is drawing you in. Don't ignore the call. Your, own, your unrest comes because of unreconciled differences maybe between you and, and God or even you and others. Make peace now for today is the day of salvation. I'm reminded of 1 John chapter 2, verse 28. Little children abide in him. We talked about abiding last week. Abide in him that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before, before him at his coming. Guys, we're to walk with peace without spot and blameless, recognizing his return is coming, being ready, being watchful, being holy. So when he comes, he's going to find us pure and we can have confidence of that. We don't have to be ashamed of it as when his appearance come. But here's the second thing, being diligent in patience until Christ's coming. Second Peter chapter three, verse 15. It says this, and consider that the long suffering or the patience of our Lord is salvation. As also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you. We know that patience is a fruit of the Spirit. And we know that, you know, a lot of us are hesitant to ask about patience because sometimes patience comes by trials and tribulations here. But we know that we need to be patient with one another. That's very relational. We need to be patient with our kids. We need to be patient with our spouses. We need to be patient with people that we work with. Patience. Patience with one another. We know that love is patient. Consider Jesus' patience in light of his coming, right? Peter is reminding us of his previous thoughts in verse 9. Remember verse 9? We spoke about this. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. See, he hasn't come back because this is still the time for many to come to faith. Because Jesus' delay in his return is for our benefit and for the benefit of those around us. It allows many to make peace with God in this season. That's why he hasn't come. And God's patience is, is an example for our patience, right? Christ's patience for, for us as individuals to come to repentance. He, he's patient because he wants people to come to know him. And in that knowing, they come to a, a change of mind regarding their relationship with Christ. Church, you need to be praying right now. 
We're praying that as those are online that haven't come to a relationship or have a change of their, of their thinking, a change of how they see things, and they would have this relationship to get peace with God. It says, the Lord is salvation. The Lord is salvation. In this season, we're called to fill the great commission to go make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey all things until I return. I'll be with you until the end of the age. What was the role of Jesus? Jesus, if, he's, if the Lord is salvation, Jesus is the mediator between God and man, for there is no one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. First Timothy, First Timothy 2, 5. Guys, when we become a new creation in Christ by faith in Christ, he is the door that opens. He is the door to heaven. He is the mediator, Jesus. He is the proclamation of the gospel that Jesus is the bridge between man and God. And so this season is the Lord of salvation. This is the season for that, for us to outreach, for us to tell, for us to share, for us to love on those outside. But also Peter encourages patience through Paul's written epistles. We see that here in the passage. Looking back at Peter's calling Paul a beloved brother and referring to his writings. Peter loved Paul. He loved him so much. They had this great relationship. They were co-laborers in the ministries. They, they served Jesus together. It doesn't mean that they didn't have their issues and it doesn't mean that they didn't have their conflicts, but they were patient with one another, right? We know that Paul was called to minister to the Gentiles and Peter was called to minister to the Jews. You remember in the, in the story, we read it in, in really Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 to 21, there was a conflict between Peter and Paul. Paul had been doing some ministries in the Gentile areas and they were coming to faith. They're being justified by faith. And then even Peter came and was breaking bread with them and, and was doing all this different stuff. And then the Judaizers, the, the people of circumcision came into the picture. And what they said was, oh, for them to be Christians, they had to be circumcised and then become a Christian. It's like they had to become Jewish in order to become saved. They had to jump through these hoops in order to, to come to salvation. And, and, and when the Judaizers came, Peter was breaking meal with the Gentiles. And then he stepped away for a moment because he was trying to get away from that. So he got afraid of what these Judaizers were thinking about him. In fact, when he pulled away, it even stumbled Barnabas in that, that his example stumbled another brother. And Paul confronts them about his actions. They had their moments of issues. But we see here in the writings, they resolved a lot of that because Peter has great affection for Paul. Listen, the church isn't perfect, but God uses imperfect people to build his kingdom. I'm not claiming to be perfect, and, and I don't want us to understand that we're, we're trying to grow in our relationship with God, going to hold each other accountable and be loving to one another. We know that Peter, again, was called to, to serve the Jews, but everyone has a place and a purpose in this diverse world, and in our church, there are many gifted people with a variety of gifts and talents. Some of you are called to, to serve in the marketplace. Some of you are called in education. Some are called to politics. Some are called to community organization. Whatever God has called you to, like the words of Paul to the young Timothy, but you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of evangelists, fulfill your ministry. Peter and Paul had their purpose. They had their ministries Though they conflicted, had conflict with one another, they resolved that and continued. And Peter's now saying, look it, Paul was influential in my life and his writings were influential. His writings touched the church and touched my life. 
And we know that Paul's writings were filled with mystery and wisdom, it says in this verse. Most of the epistles, the letters were written by Paul about how we're to live as believers, how we're to walk in holiness, how we're to live out our faith. That's called the epistles. In many of the epistles, he reveals the, the mysteries in his writing. The mystery of Christ's first coming in Romans 16, 25. The mystery of the church in Ephesians 5, 32. The mystery of Christ's second coming in 1 Corinthians 15, 51. The mystery of Christ in you in Colossians 1, 27. There are many, many mysteries that Paul wrote about. And Peter is affirming the work and ministry of Paul because many were beginning to question his work and his authority. Some were even perverting his, his teachings. But we know through Paul's writing, he gives wise counsel through the word regarding holy living. By this time, Paul had already died. And Peter's using Paul to support his writings. He's saying this is true, and even Paul wrote about these very things. Guys, we need to be a studier of God's word. In order to find gold, you need to dig a little deeper. But we have the treasure map before us. We have the writings of the apostles to help find the treasure of peace. We have this, this map right here. If we dig into it a little bit, we'll be able to find peace and be able to find the riches of faith. Peter understood that and he, he gleaned off the writings of the apostle Paul. And we've been given his epistles to glean off the writings of the many of the apostles in, in our lives. Paul and Peter and John, even the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We read them that we might find great riches because our holy habitation is built on the foundations of the apostles and the prophet Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. We're building our faith. We're being patient. The word is instructing us how to be patient with one another. And lastly, the third thing, guys, this morning, it says be diligent with the mystery of his words. Second Peter 3.16, it says this. It's also in his epistles, speaking in them of these things in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destructions as they do also the rest of the scriptures. When you go to a foreign country or a foreign land, it's very difficult to understand the language or even the culture of that country. When I went to Ethiopia with Pastor Marcos, I didn't know much of the culture. I didn't know much about the language. So it took me several times to travel there and pick up on some of the language and the words and the culture and how they shook hands and how they greeted one another. You know what? The Word of God can be just like that for some. It is written in a different time with a Middle Eastern culture and a language. And we have to spend some time in it and study in order to get acquainted with the culture and the language. It's like going to another country and you're going to China and you don't speak Chinese, right? Sometimes you'll read the word and you might feel like that, but I want to encourage you to keep reading and to keep investing. We know that the writings of the scriptures can be difficult to understand. And it takes time for us to understand God's word. It, it takes a lifetime, guys. I've been walking in this walk for a while and I still don't understand a lot of things, and I'm still reading. And I, so don't be discouraged if you don't understand because it just takes a lifetime to learn. His, his word is interconnected between the Old Testament and New Testament. And to understand the scriptures, you need to read the whole scriptures, to, read, to study the, the whole Bible. That's why the Old Testament is often quoted in the New Testament. That's why the psalmist writes in Psalm 119, 27, help me understand the meaning of your commandments and I will meditate on your wonderful 
deeds. You're asking God to open up your eyes and your heart. When you read and when you open up, pray to him and say, God, give me understanding of your word. We know that God's word is inspired. We know they were written by men, moved along by the Holy Spirit. We read that in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21. We know that the apostle Peter walked with Jesus, was trained by Jesus, and we know that Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus and was let set apart and taught by Christ as he writes in Galatians 1.12, for I neither received it from men nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. The revelation of Jesus Christ. God's ministry will be revealed as we spend time with him. The more time you spend, the more understanding, the more wisdom. You're depositing wisdom of the writings of our saints of old. It's like sitting with a, a friend who's been in the ministry a long time, and I often do that. When I want to learn things, I want to hang out with people a little brighter than me, a little smarter than me. I've been in this a little longer than me to, to glean the wisdom from them and their understanding and their understanding of scriptures because iron sharpens iron. Brothers and sisters, we, we got to be in community with us so we can grow together. But we know that Peter gives a warning. He, he, he gives a warning in verse 16 that the writings of the scriptures, if not interpreted correctly, can be destructive. And Peter gave a, a full discourse of this in chapter 2 about false teachers and, and false prophets. But this chapter opens up with what? Right away, it opens up with revealing scoffers and in the last day questioning the coming of Christ. They were questioning that it had already come and, and people were being fearful and they were finding unrest. But we know throughout the first century, there were a lot of issues of false teachings that were going on. Paul and Peter had to address multiple issues regarding the misinterpretation of scriptures. Many questioned the justification by faith and the work of grace. And so they confronted the circumcision group. In fact, that circumcision group was described as dogs and evil workers because they were twisting the scriptures it was beginning very legalistic and putting the heaviness on the new converts, these Gentile converts. Paul challenged their thinking as it relates to grace, that many thought they could live any way they want because of grace. But Paul writes in, in Romans 6, 1 and 2, what shall we say then? Shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer? He was confronting the issue, saying just because you have grace doesn't mean you could do whatever you want to do and live any way you want to live. Just because I have car insurance doesn't mean I can pay smash up derby on the road. That, that car insurance is there to protect me from my mistakes, just like grace is there for the safety net when I fall. That, that's what it is. But people were perverting that teaching for their own selfish purpose to live any way they wanted to live. See, Paul and Peter and the, many of the writings were dealing with some of those issues. But Peter is very mindful of those who want to defund hope by questioning Christ's return. He calls these individuals untaught or unstable people. The New Living Translation says they were ignorant and unstable. And what did they do? They twisted God's word or distorted the truth. They were misleading people for their own selfish gain. In fact, the word twist has a more intense meaning. It means to, to torture on a rack or to pervert. Some will take the verses out of context for their own selfish gain. And many heresies and perversions of teachings of these scriptures by taking them out of place. These false teachers were perverting the very words of God. They were torturing the very words of God. That's why Paul, that's why Peter gave warning of wolves. And Paul gave warning of wolves who would creep into the church, not sparing the flock, speaking perverse things and drawing the disciples away. We read that in Acts chapter 20. 
prior to going to Rome and prior to die, he says, listen, this is gonna, it's gonna happen in the church. Be careful. These individuals are, will be damned and they will face their own destruction. He gives warning to that. I know women, I'm gonna challenge the women that have been on the women's Bible study. I know you're studying the book of Jude. What book is one of the hardest, Jude is one of the hardest books to study. And I tell me, you're, you're going through the questions, you're digging in. You know what? You're getting a little bit more meaning and it's gonna be challenging for you. It's gonna be hard for you and you're gonna to wanna to give up and quit because you don't understand. But I wanna challenge you, unless you exercise those spiritual muscles, you'll never go deeper. You'll never, you'll never will. Don't be intimidated, but engage the challenge to grow in your faith. And God will meet you right there. You might have to take a little bit longer time. You might have to uh, abide a little longer in the word to get it, but you'll get there. I want to challenge you that. I want to encourage you with that. For those that haven't been in a one-on-one disciple, I want to encourage you to jump in a one-on-one discipleship relationship with somebody to be held accountable and to grow in your walk with the Lord. Or you're going to get caught up in destructive teachings and destructive words and false teachers that are going to take you away. I'm surprised by how many who grew up in the church fall away from the faith or fall away to other false doctrines or other faiths of religions because they didn't understand and get themselves grounded. Look at the Lord is coming back. We need to be rooted in Christ and the things of God. So as we close this morning, we are called to, number one, to be diligent in holiness without spot, blameless and peace with God and with one another. Number two, we're called to be diligent in patience. Diligent and patient. God is patient. He's patient that all would come to repentance but then we're patient with one another and we see each other like Peter saw Paul as a beloved brother. We see each other as beloved brothers and sisters being patient with one another in this time in light of his coming. And thirdly, we're called to be diligent with the mystery of God's word. That we're to invest in it and to grow in it. Because others, if you don't understand it, you're going to misinterpret it and then you're going to put that. It's like a young believer who just starts using the word. He has a little knife that doesn't know how to use. It's like a kid with, with a knife that he doesn't know how to use. It. He's going to cut some people. He's going to hurt some people. We need to know how to use the word correctly. To study it, to show ourselves approved. And so this is my challenge to you this morning. And Peter's challenge to us this morning through his word. Guys, abide in it and rest in it. Jesus is coming back soon. Maranatha, Lord, cometh. And so my challenge to you for those who are online, maybe if you haven't committed yourself to Christ, I just give you a moment to think about that. Maybe you're finding a little unrest in your heart. Maybe, maybe you haven't been able to have peace in your heart, a peace of your heart and peace of your mind. But that peace only comes through the peacemaker, which is Jesus. And so this morning, if, if you want to get right with God and have peace with God, you just got to come before him and pray this. Just say, dear Jesus, thank you for this morning. Thank you that I've heard your word. And thank you that you touched my heart. And I pray now I come to you because I have a restless heart. And I ask I need a peaceful heart. And so I come and I confess that I've fallen short. And that God, you came to pay through the cross by dying and raising again to forgive me of my sins and my shortcomings. I receive you by faith. And I ask that your Holy Spirit would come in and fill me. That God, I want to be at peace with you and at peace with one another. I receive this by faith. I thank you now in Jesus' name. If maybe you said that prayer this morning, then I want to encourage you to just take a note that we can follow up with you this week. I want to talk to you about that, get you plugged in, maybe get you something you can learn and grow a little bit more in that so we can follow up.
But understand this, we live in some troubled times and we need the peacemaker. And so we're to be diligent in light of his coming and in light of his return. Amen. Guys, bless you, brothers and sisters. Hope to see you tonight as we're going to be gathering, uh, continuing studying the book of Mark. And now we're going to break bread. Thanks again for joining us. Contact us or learn more at our website, newvision.city. See you next time.